Hello world, it's Jason Smith and welcome back to the Georgia podcast here at the Pro Business Channel at Rich Heart Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. We have braved the horrors and dangers of the pandemics to be here six feet apart to have a conversation that we hope brings some uh, advice, information and help to all of you. I'm joined with my good friend Jason Hayes, who's a fellow Air Force veteran. Uh, we spent some time together in the Atlanta veteran community, and we most recently had a very short conversation, 10, 15 minutes, that was just the tip of the iceberg. And we knew we had to come back and continue our conversation around the future and history of HR, specifically for the people in our community of military veterans, brothers and sisters who served. So I'm very happy to have you here, Jason. Thank, thank you for you. coming through. Thank you, thank you. And uh, for the benefit of the rest of the world, why don't you just share a little bit about a, your background and experience, help them understand, especially some of the large companies and small companies you've worked with uh, to give you the credibility to be here talking to everyone today. All right, thank you. Um, so my credibility comes from a, a long life of living. Uh, I joined the Air Force when I was uh, 2000. Um, so I'm not even gonna tell you how old I am. I won't do that ever. Um, but <laughs> I will say that I've worked for some large companies um, like SunTrust, Bank of America, uh, in a consulting form, and uh, currently working for Rain Manufacturing. And I've also worked for uh, some medium to smaller companies, um, you know, such as Hexware Technologies, Zykus Softwares, um, and a lot of companies that I've touched on have been global. Um, so just to be able to be able to bring the skills that I've learned, honed, and earned uh, as I took my bruises and, and growing up to the age that I am, which I will never share. <laughs> uh, you know, it, I, I believe it's given me the, uh, the ability to help people, especially in the veteran community, to transition um, and become successors in the forefront. And all I generally ask is that you reach back to a vet and give them that same common courtesy. Amen. Amen. And as someone who started your military career so late in life, <laughs> I, I, I do want to ask you a little bit about your time in the military, because I know for me and for just about every veteran who really spends some time and, and allows it uh, to, to work with their, their life and their spirit, that the military will change you and it really forms who you are going forward. So can you tell us a little bit about what you did in the military and what that experience was like for those maybe who've never been there? Okay. Uh, so what I did in the military was uh, I was a communication specialist with a top secret clearance. That's all you get. Uh, <laughs> That's what top secret means. That's what top secret means. Yes. Um, but I joined the Air Force, and I tell you, when when I joined the Air Force, okay, I think let me slow down a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Because the question is, why did I join the military? Sure. Now everybody joins the military for different reasons, but why did I join the military? Mm -hmm. I joined because I wanted to get away. I didn't know what else to do. I had just graduated with an associate's degree. I was bored. I didn't want to see my family. I didn't mm -hmm. want to, you know, I just, I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And when I, and when I joined the military, not only did I find a, a solace of brotherhood and, and individuals who, when I get in trouble, we all get in trouble, right? <laughs> I remember we, we got in trouble in tech school for sneaking out. Um, it took a, took them a while to catch us because we were that good. Right. But, <laughs> but um, you know, I found a brotherhood and I found that I, every time that I would come to work, I learned something new, uh -huh. whether it's professionally, whether it was um, personally from growth standpoint. Um, you know, as a young father, I really had to lean on the men that the men and the women that were around me mm -hmm. to 
understand what I was going through in my transition. Mm -hmm. And we don't even realize we're going through a transition because it just happens, right? Mm -hmm. It's evolutionary. And we're wondering, you know, why is this happening in my life and et cetera, et cetera. And we're crying out or we, we, we bulk up and we get stronger or mm -hmm. whatever it might be that you do to get through the transition. First thing you have to realize is first, you're going through a transition. Right. And this is supposed to happen. Right. Right. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, it does. You know, I'll tell you. The one thing I hear from a lot of people, and it's not everybody's experience, but right. everybody kind of comes into the military for some selfish reason, right. but they wind up staying for the people next to them, True. and that goes a long way. So you as a communication specialist, that's not specifically in the world of personnel management or HR, so mm -hmm. uh, was that experience in the military, that formative time of learning from the people next to you and growing because of the people next to you, what puts you into the people management industry today? Was that the, where you get the taste for it? No. <laughs> no. So what happened is, uh, while I, I I had got laid off, and it, um, if you know about Don Long and his book, and you know the interview that you had with him, he talked about going through a transitional period where yes. you know the plug was pulled, and it's like, what do I do, right? Yeah. So. Um, you know, the plug was pulled and I was like, what do I do? And I said, you know what? I want to go teach. I want to go teach at the university because mm -hmm. I was originally in graphic design. I originally went to school for computer animation. Mm -hmm. Um, while I went back from my master's degree, um, I went to go work in the federal work study program. Um, and I, and I, uh, I was like creating resumes and doing right. all this stuff. Right. Just, and it, but I went back to school for my master's in international marketing. Okay. All right. So okay. while I'm sitting there and I'm working on these resumes, which I, I, I want to thank uh, uh, Sheldon, all right, who was who was my boss and mentor, who actually brought me into the program. Okay. Ex Army, believe it or not, didn't know at the, didn't know at the time. Army okay? folks can do some good. They stuff can do some good every once every in now and then, right? But you know, it's Air Force guys, you know? right? <laughs> now you know those, those Army guys call targets tanks. I don't know why they do. <laughs> Go ahead. So, uh, you know, I, I, I actually started to piece something together. You know, I can I can create something. I can I can make a company look big, but can I make a person look as big as a company? Interesting. And that's what I was doing when working on these resumes and, and creating these personas and mm -hmm. teaching people. You know, I started to teach my interview classes, right? Mm -hmm. um, so then that's what drove me. And, 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 I, and I called my academic advisor and I said, can I do HR? And they say, yeah. So how many classes is it? They said two more classes. And I was like, well, I don't want to have to give up my, you know, what I'm doing now in international marketing. They said, it's just two additional classes. You'll be a dual concentration student. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. That's not easy. Okay, let's do it. Right. Interesting. So then I got into HR and then what happened is I didn't even realize HR had various fields mm. right so you have employment relations employment law people would think oh those are the same no they're not you have talent acquisitions which is also known as recruiting right mm -hmm. you have your hr generalist so there's different plethoras of platforms in hr mm -hmm. now when i graduated um i said okay i gotta go get my feet wet i gotta find out you know where i'm gonna work out best i, I enjoy you know teaching mock interviews i enjoy working with the students there's a federal work study student but that time was over in my transition mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so then i went to go work for staffing agencies the smile and dial sales I've you know there. i've done you it you know work with bradley morrison and <laughs> yes it was it was something did you ever have to do the uh the pitch of you you pick that one candidate and you call and you say hey i have this great person here and I can't tell you their name, but so to that point about uh, 
the, the pain of working and recruiting, the challenge for me was trying to get someone to recognize the value of a veteran after you've gotten them there and you helped them to see it. And you have to explain this to someone who wasn't in the military that, oh, this person was a platoon sergeant. That means they're responsible for, and you had to translate it into, right. you know, $30 million worth of equipment, managing assets in excess of two or $3 billion for, uh, you know, a personnel team of 20 to 30 people and uh, part of a larger operation, doing these things to kind of string together the value they, that they had was important. Right. But the challenge was, even though I got that person to say yes to the candidate, you're selling the one product that can tell the customer no. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And getting that veteran to see the value in the new company as well was also a challenge. And uh, making sure you explained it well mm -hmm. on both sides so that they could fall in love with each other was a challenge. It wasn't just engineering. It was matchmaking. Right. And two people, two groups to fall in love. Exactly. So I didn't get very far in that. I wasn't <laughs> successful, but you did have a lot of success. What was the key to you being successful doing that? Um, as, as you see on my profile on LinkedIn, and, and and as you will always hear me say, I'm a human first and a resource second. Ah, I'm a okay. human first and a resource second. So I I like to draw back in in my time. Mm -hmm. Where have I been here before? Where have I seen not not where have I been here before, but where have I seen this before? Mm -hmm. And I like to internalize, right? Yeah. And maybe I made the right decision at that time. Maybe I made the wrong decision at that time. But you know, when when I internalize, and what you also learn in HR is how to speak carefully when delivering a message to somebody, mm -hmm. especially when you're dealing with employment relations, because you don't want to say anything that's going to set them off and make them feel less than valuable, right? Because they made a decision based on the way that they grew up, mm -hmm. you know, the where they've seen it before, the where they've seen it before. I, I like the way you phrase that because uh, someone said the the smart learn from their own mistakes, but the wise learn from the mistakes of others. So yeah. you don't have to have seen it firsthand as long as you've seen it somewhere. That's <laughs> right. So let's get back on the, the timeline. So you're there in college, you're figuring out what you wanted to do and you discovered, okay, this HR thing kind of makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, you said you were teaching classes in mm -hmm. transition. Like, what was that? How were you able to do that? That was on campus as a student? You were yeah, teaching classes? Yeah. On my interview one, I wasn't actually teaching. I was, well, I was teaching because teaching is teaching, mm -hmm. but I was doing it on behalf of career services. I was teaching mock interviewing classes. So teaching, uh, I would like to see how students would come in to interview. Mm -hmm. I would love to see how students would respond in one-on-one uh, -on -one questions, you know, if they felt comfortable, how to make yourself feel comfortable in interviewing, all the soft and basic skills that you need to be successful in an interview. Outside of the military, was that your first experience in teaching, training, and coaching? Had you? We all have to do a little bit in the military, but was right. that your first civilian experience teaching and coaching? No. Really? So no. you got a wait long, for a civilian. Long. Hold on, I got to think. That's why I'm not going to tell my age. <laughs> <laughs> back in '63, uh, I was '63. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will I will share this if if we want to go back in the timeline. When I was in tech school at Case Air Force Base, uh -huh. uh, I used to I got in trouble for falling asleep in class. Uh -huh. I got in trouble so much and. And so my, it must be a Jason thing. Yeah. <laughs> it could be. And so my uh, the 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 TI while I was in class, he he called me into the office. He said, "Why do you keep falling asleep?" I said, "Cause it's easy and I get it." And he was like, "What?" He said, "Do you think you can teach the class?" I said, "I don't know. You want me to?" <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, go do it. I, I'll I'll 
I'll observe from the outside and see what happens. Uh-huh. And so I went back in to teach the class. And this is literally, and this is this is the part where we were talking about satellite and communications, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I don't know, my dad says that it's a curse that we have the the, the autonomy to be able to streamline things and make it simpler. So what okay. I wound up doing was I wound up teaching the class on satellite communications on how we get from one base to the next and what could happen based on the Smurfs. Okay. <laughs> I was like, this is Papa Smurf. This okay. is Home Base. Okay. This is Brainy Smurf, you know, and then you have Gargamel. And so the whole class was able to receive it. They were entombed, and he was just kind of, I could see him outside the door just shaking his head like just... I don't I don't know how it worked, but it, it did. Right? right. So from an Air Force standpoint of training and teaching, um, I did it in there uh, for a tech school for a couple of classes. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to get recycled back. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and then um, from a civilian standpoint, I would say no. And the only reason I say no is because I feel like I've always been a teacher. If I, if I learn something or if I gain some type of knowledge, I'm going to share it with somebody. Right. Right. And I just pick up the phone and I just start dialing and smiling and calling and say, hey, did you know this was going on? Hey, did you know this is going on? Mm. Which is why I am very uh, intrigued uh, with uh, Vet to Industry. Yes. Have you heard of them? Oh, Brian, Brian Arrington. Yeah, that that was that was golden. Brilliant. Taking everything, putting it on one website so we don't have to go everywhere else. Yes. And then I'm telling everybody, like, have you heard of Brian Arrington? Have you heard of this guy? Have you heard of this guy? Just sharing. It's just sharing. Well, let's share real quick because I don't think everyone listening knows what Vet to Industry is. Let's let's get them caught up. Explain Vet to Industry for everyone. So Vet to Industry and Brian, don't shoot me if I get this wrong because you don't pay me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but uh, Vet to Industry is where Brian has compiled. Uh, well, let me slow down a little bit. Um, generally, what happens for veterans when they come out and they're going through the transition, it's hard to find the resources that you need to be successful from, you know, getting your information from your previous uh, duty station to uh, being able to find resources out in the civilian world that can help you. So what Brian has done is Brian has taken all of those resources and he's put together what I wouldn't call the Walmart package of being able to find all this information in a one-stop shop mm -hmm. and put it on a website. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. Like that's genius. Which he's also Air Force, if I recall. He correctly. is Air Force Security. So, Air Force Security Forces. Air Force Security Forces. Yes, you know, sir. somebody asked me why they why do we call them SPs? Uh huh. I said forces is spelled with a with a ph. So <laughs> 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 oh, that was an RB answer right there. It's a last. There you go. So, uh, so yeah, Vetra, uh, Vetra Industries is a, is, is a great uh, website, which, I, you know, like I said, uh, as far as being able to teach people and reach people, I think it's just not being scared to open your mouth, which goes to part of the original question mm -hmm. that you asked, what did you like or what did you enjoy or what transition did you see when you joined the military mm -hmm. is after you make it through that first six weeks or however long your your, your tech school is or basic training mm -hmm. you realize you have a loyalty with one of the biggest group of supporters that will cheer you on and fight for you mm -hmm. in the united states of america mm -hmm. or wherever you may be absolutely so to that point now you're in the place where once again just like tech school, you've yep. learned something, you understand it. Now you're starting to teach it. You're reaching out 
based on your experience as a, an HR professional for all these many years, big companies and small, you're taking all of that internal HR experience and you're reaching out to a lot of other veterans in transition through Vesta Industry, Vetlanta. I've seen you at Bunker Labs events. You're out here in the scene. You're actually putting the work in and I really, really appreciate it. That's how we found each other. Yep. You were out there serving, yeah. teaching. And going back to the Bunker Labs piece, you were there because you got a penchant for entrepreneurship and small businesses. Okay. You named a couple of small companies you worked for. Right. Were those entrepreneurial like startups, some of them? Did you have people who were kind of just at or in that growth phase as a startup that you worked with in that time? Some of, you know what? I would say it was, yeah, it was in that growth phase. How did that feel? It was, it was kind of like the uh, Amazon in the garage thing. You didn't really know what was going on. You yeah. just knew something was happening. Yeah. And you just, you, you, you stay in your lane and you serve, mm -hmm. right? And that's just kind of what I did. I said, well, what, what do you need from me to do? What do you need from me, right? Mm -hmm. And that's probably one of the things you're always going to hear me uh, hear me say whenever you pick up the phone uh, at some point in the conversation, how can I help you, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you could ask Dr. Shelton Good, once again, an Air Force veteran, one of my mentors. Sharp guy. Um, mm -hmm. Very sharp, you know, and, uh, you know, my question, you know, I ask him is how can I help you and how can, and he, and he in returns, asked me the same question. Yeah. If you... I feel like the best thing you can do in 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 entrepreneurship mm -hmm. in a company and whatever you do never leave the conversation without saying how can I help you how can I help you do I you think you? that the ground has shifted in the entrepreneurial world where the normal was that you had to get out there and really be good and do good and now it's kind of different if you can't be good be good at it right <laughs> right it's, it, it, do you feel like the entrepreneur space has kind of changed a bit from when you were working in that growth stage, small business space to what it is today? No. Still the same? Still the same. Okay. Let, let me ask How's, you this. How does the stock market work? Okay. Rhetorical. So I'll, I'll let you answer that. All right. <laughs> Basically, you put money in. I hope you get, you know, some profit and, and, and gain, right? Yeah. Or you, you be ready to take a loss. Okay. Right. Anybody in the finance industry will tell you if you go into the stock market, there's a couple of things you got to have mm -hmm. patience and money. Yeah. All right. So with that being said, that's the same formula for anything else. And think about how long the stock market has been around. Mm -hmm. Right. So with that being said, the, the formula, we want to be good. Right. But how do we be good? How, how do we become great? You have to keep doing it over and over again. You have to beat it in the head until it becomes a part of you. Muscle memory, same thing they teach you in, um, you know, uh, basic training in the tech school. When they're teaching you how to hold that rifle and to say, hey, a right. shell might pop out and burn you. Right. Don't throw it down. Right. You know what I mean? So you, the more you shoot and, you know, you might get a couple of shells. Right. The one thing you know is I can't burn it down, but I might have a little reminder here later. Right. 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 Because we, we grow from that pain. Right. Yes. So growing from that pain and what we want to do in developing our normalcy, our, our normal. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's what's going to make you successful. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, I was I, I, I didn't know out of school what I want to be. I didn't know in school what I want to be. I knew I like to draw. I like to create documents. I like to do certain things, you know, and um so I, I didn't know I wanted to go into school for computer animation. And then I went, you know, to one visit to the Art Institute. And I started right after I graduated. 
and then went right into college, right? So, and, and I, that's a, another place where I found, you know, a commonality, right? But yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't connected to everybody in the college. Mm -hmm. I was just connected to, you know, all of us awkward, weird, you know, cartoon kids who like to sit up to ourselves and draw and yeah. do this stuff, right? But yeah. that's not what I get from the military. It's a good thing you grew out of that awkward, weird phase. Oh, no, I, I haven't. <laughs> I have not. I wish I could. Uh, but that's not what I found in the military. Yeah. What I found in the military is no matter your job, mm -hmm. no matter your rank, mm -hmm. no matter what it is, I'm here to help you. I'm here to support you. And that's the only reason I've been successful in my career. Johnny Brandon, who also worked at the university, because mm -hmm. the university did actually hire me full time. There you go. And I was a student services advisor. Okay. okay, so I sat in at the Art Institute or your, your at, no at AIU at, at AIU. AIU. Yeah, okay. they, yeah, you get those. Yeah, they'll get confusing after a while. <laughs> so um, while while you know, go after I left Art Institute and I transferred over to AIU, um, you know, I worked with Johnny Brandon. Mm -hmm. Johnny Brandon. Actually, I didn't work with Johnny Brandon. I still you know work close. I worked close to Johnny Brandon, who was a Marine, and I still have my connection to Sheldon, who was still over Career Services both veterans. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for them, I wasn't going to make it far. And then we had a new president come in at the time that I was there. His name was Peter Carrera. Okay. All right. Which is just, the last name is just cool within itself. Carrera, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, right, right, right. Um, so Peter came in and Peter was, a, he was an army veteran. Mm -hmm. And Peter always walked around every morning. He wanted to see who was there. And I was always there and he would peek in and he just kind of do a nod. You know, but it, it's the discipline that I learned from the military right. that got me the respect of the gentleman all the way up to the president of the school, which mm -hmm. I, I have a great picture I'll share with you of me and Peter at my yeah, graduation, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Um, and then I will say every time I went to another job or worked at another business, mm -hmm. every time I came across somebody who served or mm -hmm. who has a child that served mm -hmm. or who has a spouse that served, you know, in, in anything connected to the military, there was always this instant connection of how can I help make you successful? Mm -hmm. What do you need from me? And, and, and even at the company that I'm at now, mm -hmm. I've gotten that from the veterans that, you know, I, I, I work with and I partner with no matter the department, no matter the rank, they're always there to say, Hey, how can we help each other? And, and you're asserting that that spirit of service is still what drives entrepreneurship today. Those growth state companies are there serving their companies, serving their industry and communities in ways that they can make sure that they're impactful. And that's the way to succeed in entrepreneurship. That's the best way to succeed. I got to tell you, that's wonderful. And, and you are sitting in a brilliant place. You've got that depth of understanding for the small companies. You've worked with lots of big companies mm -hmm. and now you're helping them with the biggest, most challenging, most valuable part of the entire organization. <laughs> you have them mm -hmm. with people. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that that world has changed in the last 60 days a good bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of struggle going on, but especially for those small growth stage entrepreneurs. And as you know, uh, not as much as I want to. I'm leading an effort here at Bunker Labs to try to gather more knowledge about how small businesses can survive in this time, especially around that HR space and gathering knowledge and information. I think I posted something about that. Mm -hmm. uh, in our record, in our conversation that started this uh, second interview, right? Correct. So let's go specifically to that combination of your, your understanding of small business and HR and where we are today. Like, how is the world different for organizations as far as people management goes today? 
Wow, that's that's a loaded question. It's a loaded question because it it's so much different right now. <laughs> so much different. It is, it is a loaded question, and what I want to do is I want to take off. First of all, I want to take off the shield and the cape, right? The superhero syndrome that I have sometimes. Okay. Um, and and I want to say, I had to reassess my thought patterns, my waves of thinking, my. I had to internalize mm -hmm. what is going on. And you know what I came up with? What is that? I have no clue. <laughs> I mean, because this is this is not a threat from another country, personally, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This is not a economical thing. This is well, I mean it's economical, but it's 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 a it's not biochemical warfare, mm -hmm. right? Where we were trying to put on hazmat suits, right? Mm -hmm. this, this is this is a it's weird, it is. but it's understandable, mm -hmm. right? So it kind of puts you in, it puts you in limbo. It puts you in a, in a middle space. So I had to internalize because my 2020, probably like yours, probably like everybody else is not going along the path that we want out the window. Right. So, um, and let me know if I go down the foxhole here and I need to come back out, but I'll save you. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I believe the question was around how can entrepreneurs be successful? Yes, or small businesses, small especially business. some of those growth phases. If they've got an HR department and HR needs. Right. How are they going to survive in this weird time? So first, I will ask them to do what I do. Be, on, be a human first okay, and a resource second. You don't have to, you don't have to be in HR for that, that motto to apply, okay? Mm -hmm. Be a human first, resource second. And then think what makes sense, mm -hmm. right? Like a lot of companies say, hey, in order for us to be successful and keep, you know, functions going, let's let our employees work remote. Now, sometimes the problem with small businesses is they like that, that intimacy of having the employee there, right? But you can't, you can't, you got to let go of what we'll call control mm -hmm. and trust that your employee is going to go home and give you the same level if not more productivity from home, mm -hmm. right? Um, as I said in our in our last interview, working remote is nothing new. Mm -hmm. It's been around for a while. Mm -hmm. So uh, to 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 think that you know this is something that we weren't prepared for. No, we've been prepared for it. It's just is was the companies or was the small businesses prepared for it, right? Mm -hmm. Because why do small companies or those those startup companies begin? Is because Somebody was probably working in, we'll say corporate America generally. We'll, we'll go with corporate America. They came out and they said, I want to do my own thing mm -hmm. because I can make it better. So what you need to do is continue to make it better, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But don't forget those values of where you came from that you did like about it. Taking care of people. Taking care of people, yeah. right? From a financial standpoint, where is the investment for your money going? All right, because what you have to think about is there are tax breaks for businesses. Mm -hmm. So it's it's it, if I own my small company, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing a lot better if you if you're my employee because if I have to lay you off, I'm like ah, oh, Jason, I'm sorry, yeah. I let you go. I heard some stats. What is it's four to four to five thousand dollars cost to a large corporation to fire someone if you get a bad hire? It costs them four or five thousand dollars and get rid of them even more. My goodness, I've got old stats. <laughs> so it's expensive to, to move a lot of people out of the organization. But I see in the news a lot of businesses are forced to do that. Right. But they're incurring a cost 
to try to get this long-term savings. Is that right? So mm -hmm. you can put, if they fired 10,000 people, there was a two, $3,000 cost to all of those. You could say that. That's you say that if, so, you, if you went by a rough estimate number, but what you also have to look at when you're looking at the numbers is, you know, how is, is that considered a kickback for that company mm -hmm. um, based on industry? Um, you know, what's this company ever made to survive something like this in the first place? So right? the cost reductions that they're hoping to gain might not always be satisfied by just cutting heads. There's some unspoken, unknown costs to, to reducing your head count mm -hmm. that some of these small businesses might not know. Right. So here's the deal. Is it harmful or is it helpful? Mm -hmm. Right. So when you're thinking about it from an operational standpoint, it's you have to think, OK, would it be better from a company standpoint? Would mm -hmm. it be better for me to say, hey, I'll lay Jason off. Mm -hmm. Jason goes down to unemployment. Jason is filing unemployment. He's getting this check. Plus, uh, Uncle Sam said, hey, we want to give you an extra kicker. <laughs> Right. right to uh, not to not work to not work because yeah. of the situation right yeah so now i'm paying you to sit at home right and you're not doing anything versus would it make sense for me to say you know what if i'm going to be paying jason via unemployment anyway why don't i just retain his services and see where else he can be helpful right right get creative get creative yeah. And that's what you have to do. When you look at the numbers, nine times out of ten with the with the right finance person at a company, mm -hmm. they're gonna balance those numbers out. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about small business, it's hard for you to balance those numbers out because those are numbers that you don't ever wanna see, you don't ever wanna have to deal with, and you don't ever wanna have to look at. Yeah, right. And you probably don't have as much weight behind you to recover from those kind of shifts and changes. Right. So it's funny you mentioned something earlier that you brought back again. Getting creative is something that gets these small businesses from startup to the growth phase. Correct. And what you just said was stick with what got you here. Stick with the things that made you successful in the past. Correct. Dance with the girl you brought, right? <laughs> right. So if you were creative to get here, be creative now. Right? Create new roles, new opportunities for people inside the organization. Don't do what the big companies are doing and start chopping because that might not be right specifically for you. Right. You know, just because Google's open floor plan, you don't have to go do it too. It might not be right for you. Well, if you if you look back at it, actually, a lot of the larger companies have not actually started chopping heads a lot. Mm -hmm. Unless they just could, if, unless they just know, like I can't really survive in this industry. It's not, like the uh, like the airlines, mm -hmm. no planes are taking off. So there's only so many people you can retain, and then you know what do you do with the rest of them? Right, that's a great example. Yeah, but. If they didn't have to, they wouldn't have done that. So a lot of large companies are not laying off. Mm -hmm. Small companies depend on um, what they're doing. They're still, this This is their time where they can make a break, right? You, you're going to get a realization of what's going on. And then you have your medium-sized companies. Now, those are the companies, just like Rich Dad Poor Dad said, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the rich doesn't get bothered. The small doesn't get bothered. Always the middleman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't say that. Rich Dad Poor Dad did you can check. I'm doing a lot of advertisement here. <laughs> yeah, you, you, are, you are evangelizing and you are personifying others. That's what you're there doing. You go. Edifying. Right. You're edifying. So if you if you look at it, the medium companies that they really have to get creative. They because they're they're in the middle space. They're mm -hmm. they're I, I need to retain this, but the workload is not what I need it to be. So how can I increase my workload? How can I keep my employees? Because remember, the at the medium stage, mm -hmm. depending on how many employees they got, depending on state, mm -hmm. they still have to 
worry about benefits, mm -hmm. not their own, but for their employees. Right. You know what I mean? They don't, the financial capital that it takes to bring on an employee is a lot. Mm -hmm. People think that, you know, when they get their offer letters, it's like, oh, wow, they're paying me this much money into them. It could be good, bad, or okay, right? You know, whatever their life choices are. But you don't think about how much it took for them to even get you in the door. Right. And you haven't even been trained, processed, you know, you haven't even got your badge yet. None of that. And the company has already invested money into you. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, all the knee-jerk reactions you think are happening out there and all the news and the hype that you hear and all the millions unemployed, maybe most companies aren't being so reactive as it seems. It's been a, a big investment to get these people here. Mm -hmm. There might be a lot of other people actually holding on and trying to keep people in place more so. Right. Than well, that's comforting because the news is very bleak right now. It's good to hear someone with the insight <laughs> right. to let the world know what's really going on. Now, coming out of this, we talked about being creative and we talked about being more human, especially in this time of struggle. Mm -hmm. How are we going to build a better HR process to, to kind of help be more successful? And these smaller companies, the ones in the middle, rich mm -hmm. dad, poor dad, mm -hmm. the ones in the middle probably have more flexibility than some of these other larger companies do to create better HR platforms, systems, ways of doing things. I don't need specifics, but philosophically, what would make HR better for those middlemen as we go forward after this pandemic? So things that can make HR better. Um, first of all, leadership has to talk to HR. Okay. You have to tell us what it is you're trying to do because we can't, I can't come to you and say, hey, Jason, here's a cheeseburger for lunch. Mm. You might be like, I don't eat cheese on my burger. Gotcha. You know? So it it's, first starts with dialogue. Dialogue from the top. Dialogue from the top. Okay. Because HR is a service, mm. right? So in order for us to service you, you have to tell us what it is you want, what you're looking for. You can ask us for certain data. Say, hey, we've laid off... Um, X amount of people, we've had these people working from home, we have, you know, these people who are working, they're coming in part-time, and we mm -hmm. have these people who are working in, a, let's say, a plant or a factory, if you mm -hmm. will, right? Um, so, with that being said, um, you, you, you have to tell us where you're trying to go with this. Okay. Right? That's important. Because one thing that I can think of is, uh, are we going to start giving out clothing allowances for, for people who have to go into the office <laughs> and they have to dress up? Yeah. Are we going to give them a little clothing allowance? Those kind of things. Right. Yeah, because but you need, you need the, the context for where that decision is going to fit in. Right. So All if right. you think about the context, I've been sitting at home. <laughs> <laughs> I might go walk. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad of the lighting because you can't see yeah, all just, the wrinkles on my right, little shirt, but it's, it's all good. Hit the right angle. Nobody can see you. Nobody can see you. That's it. So we got to get the communication flowing from the, the top. That's right. one. Is there anything else? You have to think of your uh, three, five year and 10 year goal. Look further down the road. Look further down the road. Okay. How does this help the company? How does this help the company to increase uh, self-branding? Okay. Right? So, you know, there are tons of companies that people will go work for just at the drop of the name. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because they've already heard something great about that company and they're like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd definitely go work for them. Hmm. Believe it or not, 
when and it's, it's really people are still connected as much as we like to think that we're connected by oh you know i want to know the 401k i want to know the benefits right. i want to know they're still connected by people gotcha. you know what i mean and, and that's why we have presidential elections because we got to vote who's going to be all the way at the top of that pyramid same thing with companies the person at the top. who am i working for yeah, 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 yeah what am i working for why am i working for this because here's the deal if it's the right opportunity, mm -hmm. a person will come in and work for less money, but they'll give you that dedication that you need. I can That's see your, your international marketing uh, degree shining through here. <laughs> as you talk about something that people see as a mundane internal service to the organization as a function of making sure you market their comfort and the humans first and resources second, mm -hmm. the people in the organization feel about their job, their role, and the person at the top. Correct. That's a, an aspect of marketing in a lot of ways. It is. And a powerful one at that. Yep. Okay. And great things come in threes. Is there another point that you would have for those middle companies to look to the future and have a, a, a brighter future in, in human and people resources? So for the, if they do have a human resources department, which they all should have some type of human resource asset, Mm -hmm. available to them if if not you know there are ways mm -hmm. <laughs> consultants that can come in and help out mm -hmm. but um they have to they have to listen you have to listen you have to listen to understand um when you're when you want something done and then ideally it can't be done the way you want it to be done mm -hmm. you have to listen to understand why it can't be done that way and understand it's not going to happen on the first pass or maybe the second pass mm -hmm. right but understand once again you're dealing with humans right so uh the third thing i would say is uh for our hr people because i know sometimes we're a little bit more relaxed yeah you know we're a little bit more soft and subtle speak up okay nobody's gonna hurt you for trying to help them right excellent so sometimes we do become more of a follower mm -hmm. but sometimes we have to step up and be a leader mm -hmm. right take charge yeah. you know um not you know go pick at the company or anything or you know no foolishness but make but, yourself but hurt let make yourself hurt gotcha you that's, that's going to really help with that communication from the top for sure correct definitely well, I think those are three really, really strong points. And I'm glad you brought up that last one about listening to outside counsel, getting help and advice, because this entire thing started from a conversation with someone you know, Mr. Brett Stroney, yep. who is an HR consultant extraordinaire. Yep. He's been doing fantastic work, reaching out to businesses large and small and showing them how to go out and uh, incorporate best practices in HR so that they can if they don't have the team, those internal resources, still have that world-class advice. And so uh, I've taken it on myself to continue this conversation and start to reach out to other businesses of large and small to bring that HR knowledge that you're bringing mm -hmm. back to as many of the companies in the Bunker Labs family as possible so that we all can kind of share that knowledge and help. And I really appreciate you helping me get that ball rolling. Um, could you do me a favor? Sure. Uh, tell everybody out there how we can find and reach you. Uh, and if you want to continue having conversations like this, uh, who would you like to reach out to you and, and plug into your network? Um, so, I mean, that's very simple. Um, military, universities, anybody with a pulse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, 
The list just got really big there. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. Um, as they as they say, if I can't help you, I know somebody that can. Okay. Um, I'm not hard to find. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I do actively uh, try to be a participant on there. Uh, you can also email me at hayes.jason with an e, hayes.jason with an e at gmail.com. Um, and then uh, if you ever just want to reach out and uh, have a phone conversation, just I can always send like a, a calendar invite and we'll sit together and we'll schedule out some time because it's like I was saying before, uh, you know, companies need help and individuals need help. And my job that I enjoy doing is to customize your training, just like when you go to a gym, right? Yep. They, that personal trainer has to customize for you yep. for what you want for that physique, look, feel, whatever. So that's what I do for uh, corporations and individuals. Sounds fantastic. Well, J-A-S-E-N, H-A-Y-E-S, we appreciate you coming in. And uh, it's always a pleasure. As one Air Force guy to another, as a yep. veteran to another, I appreciate you and uh, what you're doing. And we'll see you out there on the road as we go out and evangelize and help as many as possible. So. Mm -hmm. You have a great rest of your week, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again real soon. All right. You too. Thank you. Right.